Good morning to one and all here today and a big welcome also to those listening on our Podbean podcast. Thanks for Priscilla for the communion and those uh, anointed uh, reminders and messages. It was fantastic. It's wonderful to see you all in the house of God. Melissa, thank you for coming. It's wonderful to see you here. It's fantastic to see you here. And uh, I trust that God will minister to you through his word. And the word of God not only sustains us, but it also builds us up in our most holy faith. Amen. And to be filled with the spirit of God is a is a daily decision by the believer to position yourself to hear from and be filled with the presence of God. And so I thank you all for being here today. A number of years ago, there was a a popular talent show called The X Factor. No, I wasn't in it, as you can judge by my singing. But uh, it ran for many years and was a tremendous success. Who remembers that X Factor show? Amen. Too worldly for most of us, I know, but there was a couple there. (laughs) But the show's aim was to look for talent that was different, to look for something that was specifically unique and that would capture the hearts of the thirsty public for something that would wow and entertain. That's the world, really, isn't it? But that's what the X Factor was all about, that something they were looking for was the X Factor, amen? But in the Gospel accounts and in three and a half years of Jesus' earthly ministry, We witness through the written word, the building and the growth of Jesus' ministry team. Who knows that Jesus had a ministry team? And uh, one that he would disciple and teach uh, ministry. uh, When he was taken from his earthly ministry, he was to leave it with us. And that was done through all those disciples. And it was a team that shaped and transformed the world by the power of the Holy Ghost. And from such humble beginnings... It seemed they would be destined to fail as in time even their leader Jesus was executed on the cross. But succeed they did. And so successful, uh, we have been naming our dogs after the Caesars of the day ever since. And we name our sons John and Paul and Luke and Silas, amen. And so they transformed the known world. And in building the team of early disciples... Was Jesus looking for the X factor? Was he really looking for something that was just so different and so unique? Amazing talent and ability and gifts. Did he look around and look for people with all those, all those things? Did he grab the elites from the rabbi schools, which he could have done? Those of political, social and standing in commerce and wealth? Did he have his eyes fixed on those sort of people who had a bit of pizzazz? a bit of influence. If he was to change the world, why would he not go to the military academy of the influence of the day? Was Jesus ever even really interested in any of those attributes in people? And it's true, it's not, it's not is it? He has never looked in his disciples for amazing attributes and abilities. I'd like to share with you today how Jesus used people just like you and me. It confounds the wise, I know it does. For it was not the X factor that Jesus was looking for, but an attribute far more significant. And so I'd like, if you would, if you brought your Bibles with us, I I pray that you have, that you would go to John's Gospel, and beginning then at chapter, uh, chapter 1 and verse 35, I'll read a couple of verses. Just give me an hallelujah when you get there. 
I got one hallelujah. There's two hallelujahs. There's three hallelujahs. Okay, we got some more. Oh, chapter one. Chapter one. So again the next day, John stood with two of his disciples. Now this is John the Baptist here. And looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. And it's good to behold the Lamb of God because what you behold, you will become. And so if you behold Jesus, you'll become like Jesus. So the two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and seeing them following him, said to them, What do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which is to say, which translated teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, Come and see. And they came and they saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now it was about the 10th hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon, Peter's brother. He first found his way, uh, found his own brother Simon, and he said to him, We have found the Messiah, which has translated the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Who brought him to Jesus? It was Andrew who brought him to Jesus. Now when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. The title of my message this morning is not the X Factor, but it's called the, the Andrew Factor. Amen? Do you have the Andrew Factor? Say to your neighbor this morning, do you have the Andrew Factor? Oh, come on, you can do it. Do you have the Andrew Factor? Come on, Rachel, break out now. I've got faith in you now. Come on, say to Jose, have you got the Andrew Factor? You know, Andrew, you know, we don't hear much about Andrew, do we? Every time we open up their Bible, it's about Jesus, it's about Paul, it's about King David, or it's about Peter, or it's always, but never, have you ever heard a message about Andrew? It's rare, isn't it? I don't think I have ever heard a message about Andrew, ever. You know, Andrew's mentioned only in 12 places in the whole of the Bible, only 12, only once in the book of Acts, 11 times in the gospel. Paul is mentioned 228 times. So who do we preach about? Paul. His big brother Peter, this is Andrew. You wouldn't even know that they were related because they're rarely seldom, you know, you just don't hear about it. But his big brother Peter was introduced to Jesus and it was Andrew who introduced Peter to Jesus. And so who gets all the limelight? It's Peter. His big brother Peter was introduced to Jesus. He's mentioned 193 times. Andrew is named mostly in the list of the apostles, not having really done that much. Five times he's mentioned as Simon Peter's brother. Amen? Imagine every time you get introduced, oh, you're such and such's brother, aren't you? I'm the third brother in the family. Two younger sisters. Yes, I'm the middle one. How was I known when I was young? Oh, you're Mark and Robert's brother, or Robert and Mark's brother. (laughs) Has anybody else felt like that? you got to really look like, I felt like that. He could have easily developed the Prince Harry syndrome and written a book called Spare. (laughs) Amen? Oh, that's terrible, isn't it? Hey, Andrew could have written that book. I'm just... Peter's, br- I'm the spare here. I'm not the heir, I'm the spare. And now I'm in despair. <laughs> Andrew is named mostly in the lists of the apostles, just as one of the others. And so Andrew and John were 
the first disciples of Jesus. It, it could have been actually that, G, that Andrew was actually the first to become a disciple of Jesus. Very, 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 it could have been a close race between him and John. Both of them were younger brothers. And so I'm talking about younger brothers because I still have that hang up. Amen. Does anybody else here have that hang up? Uh, no, just myself. Okay. Anyway, Andrew was the first to recognize. Here it says here that Andrew said, we have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ or the anointed one. Andrew said that. Can you believe it? In Matthew 16, 16, Peter's recorded as saying, when Jesus says, who do people say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Also, you should have listened to your younger brother, Andrew, who told you that at the beginning of the gospel. It doesn't say that, does it? But Andrew recognized Jesus as the Messiah in the first chapter of John. Who gets the credit? Peter. Flesh and blood. And Peter wore the badge. Oh, I heard from heaven. And Andrew's going, oh, duh. <laughs> Amen? That's what Andrew... Andrew found his old brother, brought him to Jesus, and even before he's introduced, it's recorded when Andrew went and got Peter... It introduces Andrew as Simon Peter's brother. Oh, he's a spare, isn't he? Did Andrew go and get some self-esteem classes? It's not recorded that he did. He didn't go and see a psychologist and go and get some counselling. No, because his identity was immediately in Christ. Amen? He had no hang-up whatsoever. Who are you again? Oh, yeah, that's right. You're Simon Peter's brother. No identity of his own. So taking up his identity in Christ, it was so easy for Andrew. Why? Because he was always known as Simon Peter's brother. So he, he, he never had hang-ups about his own identity. So many people these days, they want to have their own identity, their own, their own branding, their own this and their own that. It's really all part of the me, me generation, amen? The I, me and my iPad, iPhone generation, amen? And we all, too, can slip back into that. Amen? And so, now, who are we talking about again? I forgot. Oh, that's right, Andrew. We're talking about Andrew. Let's not forget Andrew now. And uh, I seem to have forgotten. But Andrew, that's right. And, um, but in, uh, in, uh, we realize in Matthew 4.18, he was a fisherman. Just in the few 10, 11, 12 verses about him, he's a disciple of John the Baptist first. Him and John were disciples of John the Baptist. And when John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God, they left John the Baptist to follow Jesus. Amen? We don't follow ministries. We follow Jesus. You can go on YouTube and get caught up with following ministries. I encourage you to turn off your TV and follow Jesus. If that ministry points, points the way to Jesus like Andrew always did, well, you're on a good ministry. Amen? That's good ministry. And you see here in, uh, in John 1, 40 to 43, that Andrew brought Peter to Christ. He was a self-starter. Amen? And uh, in Matthew 10, 2, it says he was enrolled among the 12. So he was one of the 12 disciples and is always listed there amongst them. Never first, though. It's always Peter first. Always my older brother. He's number one. Or oh, he's always there. In John chapter 6 and verse 8 and 9, we're told 
we're told uh, that Andrew brought the young lad to Jesus who had a couple of fish and a few loaves of bread. You know, we don't think about this very often, but it was Andrew once again, quiet Andrew, unknown Andrew, the one who has just had his identity in as his brother and eventually Christ. And then in John 12, 20 to 22, he carried a request to Jesus and uh, through Philip. And in Mark 13, 3 to 4, we see he sought further light on Jesus' word and sought understanding uh, from a certain situation. And in the book of Acts, in chapter 1, verse 13, and we could see that he was mentioned in there as the disciples who met in the upper room. So what does Andrew mean? And I touched on the subject that the disciples were men's men. Remember that? I spoke about that, being a man's man. When you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, you're a man's man. When you can carry a Bible downtown in the middle of the street, bring it down to your neighbor or whatever you're doing, it takes a man's man to survive in the world that we're in now. And being a disciple of Jesus Christ means that you're a man's man. Simon called Peter, or the meaning of Andrew actually means manly. That's what actually Andrew means. And in addition to that, uh, uh, one of my references also said that the name Andrew means conqueror. Our Strong's Concordance also adds fellow husband, man or sir. So it's a man, man, okay? Uh, he never had an identity or crisis about his gender, amen. Many people seem to be confused about that lately. But the best, uh, their best fishing mates, we know a little about that, don't we? James and John, they were just up the road in Galilee. And they were called in the, same, in the same two or three verses, amen? And we saw uh, James and John, and it was Jesus who gave James and John the title, Sons of Thunder. People said, oh, he's calling me names. Well, Jesus called people names too. To Peter, he, he said, to, uh, to Simon, he said, I will call you Peter because you are the rock, amen? Jesus gave people different names. And so, but he called... Uh, 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 James and John, sons of thunder. They don't sound like wimpy dambies to me, do you? They sound like men's men and they were. They were fishing mates, they were sunburnt, they were windburnt, they knew what it was to be out all night on the sea. And so in scriptures, I'll go through a few because, as I said, his name is hardly mentioned. So write them down, it's a great idea. In Matthew 14, it says, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers... Simon Peter, who's mentioned first? Simon Peter, always Simon Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Who's going to make you a fisher of men? Jesus will, amen? We make nothing of ourselves as only as we abide in him, that he makes something of us. And they immediately left their nets and followed him. So James and John, also fishermen, left their boat as well as their father. And I'd like to say at this point to the blokes in the house, it's one thing to leave your, your family, but it's serious business when you leave your boat, amen? <laughs> Am I speaking to any blokes here in the house today? <laughs> it's one thing to leave your family, but it's another thing to leave your boat, amen? Who's, who's got a beautiful fishing boat with a great big Quintrex or something on the back? I'm not much of a boatie myself, but I know what blokes are like. They love their boats and they love their Harleys, amen? I was on a job site once and the bloke says, I'll, take you, I'll show you a picture of my wife. And there it was, a magnificent, and he says, I keep her in the lounge room. 
And I'm thinking, he keeps his wife in the lounge room? That's what he said. And there it was, a magnificent Harley Davidson, which he actually parked in the lounge room, amen? But it says when they brought in Luke 5.11, it clarifies it. So when they brought their boats to the land, they forsook all and followed him. So the gospelers' account is careful to mention that they specifically mention, mention leaving the boats. It doesn't say they left their families, but it specifically mentioned that they left their boats. Their passion, it was in their blood, this water, amen? Serious stuff is this following Jesus I want to ask you today, blokes, have you left your boat? Have you left your Harley? Have you left the worldly things behind and to take up and follow Jesus? It's one thing to be a fan of the gospel or fan of Jesus, but it is another thing to be a follower of Jesus. Amen? There are a lot of fans. Churches are packed with fans of Jesus. But are you a disciple of Christ? It's a massive difference. Are you a praying person? Are you a worshipping person? Do you read the Word of God? It's a massive difference. Oh, I just got to, I'm just a fan of Jesus. Oh, yeah, I, I keep the Bible in my house. It's there somewhere. Or is it, does the Word feed you on a daily basis? Amen? Massive difference. In Matthew 10, 2, now the names of the 12 apostles were these. First, Simon, who was called Peter. There he is again. And Andrew, his brother. There he is again. Oh, here's the heir and the spare. James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. Jesus sent out the 12, and uh, it says in, in Matthew 10, 7, and he gave them a mandate and a mission, and the mission to the believers today is not changed. He said, go and heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, freely you have received, freely give. The mission and mandate of the Great Commission to you and I today has not changed. Is it a day of miracles? Absolutely. And... We're coming into a day when we're not just going to have to believe in miracles, but you will actually have to rely on miracles. We think, oh, we're in Australia. That will never happen to us. I want to tell you that I, I believe we need to prepare the church for such a time. Mark 1.16, as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, this is Jesus, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. They were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. You see that? Jesus makes us become what he requires of, of us. And so you don't have, if God calls you something to do, to do something for the kingdom, you don't have to worry whether you are equipped or not because Jesus will make you become what you need to be. You understand? The reason that you, the, the actual reason where you think that disqualifies you actually qualifies you because then you begin to seek God and do, you're building the kingdom of God with the spirit of God, amen? If you can build, you say, I think uh, it's a great prayer, your kingdom come, but it will often mean that my kingdom go. And if you begin to build of your own self-esteem, you will build your own kingdom, which is not heaven's kingdom at all. And so... Um, uh, it's difficult for God to impart the God factor when we are so filled with our own X factor. I felt that this morning. Can I say that again? It's difficult for God to impart the God factor in you when you are filled with your own X factor. And I think John the Baptist put it this way very, very well. He says, I must decrease so that he may increase. When we're full of ourselves, it's very, very difficult to be full of God. 
when we're full of our own ability, it's difficult for God to place his ability on us, amen? Because it's all about me. It's all about my gifts, my abilities. But God's got nothing to anoint if he doesn't give it to you, amen? Catherine Kuhlman said of herself, who's heard of Catherine Kuhlman? Uh, a signs and wonders and miracle ministry the world has seen rarely to this very day. Incredible. And she, I'll paraphrase what she said because I'm only doing it from memory from a video I've seen 20 years ago. And she said, Lord, I have nothing to give you. I have no special looks. I have no talents and I have no gifts. And the list was extensive. She's telling the Lord everything that she wasn't, everything that she could never be. And she says, all I can give you is my love. If you can use that, then I will serve you. What a humble... Now you know why some people get used mightily of God and really amazing people with tremendous gifts and natural abilities, astute and incredible intellect and mind and reasoning, and God leaves them on the shelf. And the reason is this, is the Catherine Kuhlman factor, I have none of these things all I can give you is my love. If you can use that, I will serve you and serve God, she did. She died of an enlarged heart at the age of 60 and she left a trail of empty wheelchairs all over the world. Amen? So many thousands, tens of thousands of people were healed. Tens of thousands. And so, now as soon as they'd come out of the synagogue, this is Mark 1.29... They came out of the synagogue. They entered the house of Simon and Andrew. There it is, the heir and the spare, and uh, with James and John. See, John is always the second, James and John, amen? James and John were brothers. Who's always mentioned first? James. James became the first, or oh, he became the first leader in the church in Jerusalem. He was the first to be martyred, and John was the last to be martyred. That was his younger brother. But Simon's wife lay sick with fever and they told, her, uh, told about her at once. And so it was Andrew and John who told Jesus about Simon, Simon Peter's mother being sick. Amen? And so once again you see Andrew hooking people up with Jesus and Jesus being hooked up through Andrew to people. You see, Andrew was a great people's people's person. Amen? He had, it doesn't say he had ever an answer of his own, but he hooked up people with the one who has. And, people, and that's really the great evangelistic effort. You don't have to convince people and talk to them and reason a bit. No, you just hook people up with Jesus and he can answer their questions. Amen? It's a two-way introduction. Andrew told people about Jesus and Andrew told Jesus about people. And in a way, it came to mind a way to pray for your family. And uh, tell Jesus about your sons and daughters before you tell your sons and your daughters about Jesus. Isn't that a good... It's a bit of a cliche, really, isn't it? But before you begin to tell so enthusiastically your sons and your daughters and your mums and your dad about Jesus, ask the Lord about them first. Tell Jesus about the family before you tell your family about Jesus is a great sequence to do that. I'd like to read Mark 3, 14 to 19, if I could. If we can turn to Mark, chapter 3. Hopefully I can find that quickly. And he went up on the mountain and called to him those he himself wanted, and they came to him. 
Then he appointed 12. What a great word there. That they might be with him and that they might send them out to preach and to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out demons. Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, once again first, James the son of Zebedee and John the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Bonagerys, that is sons of thunder. So there is the cross reference where Jesus gives those two guys the name sons of thunder. And then Andrew then is on the top of the list for the remainder of the disciples. And in a way, I, I believe Andrew is always positioned there. He is not one of the inner circle. Amen? He's not one of the inner circle. But he's slightly just out to the fringe, but he seems to be head of all the remainder of apostles. Why is that? I believe Andrew was a self-starter. He didn't need any instruction on discipleship because he immediately did it. Soon as he followed Jesus, he said, oh, I've got to go and get my brother. And he went and got him and introduced him to Jesus. He was a natural. He was an absolute natural, understated. He was like a BP Australian, a quiet achiever. Who, who remembers that ads 20 years ago about the BP Australian, the quiet achiever? And a lot of Aussies like to identify with the quiet achiever while they're, they're really proud of their humility. Amen? <laughs> I'm proud of my humility. <laughs> But the quiet achiever, the Aussies like to be known or used to be as the quiet achievers. And so Andrew is a lot like that. But Jesus appointed, and what's that word there, appointed? It's fantastic. The Greek there word there to appoint means to make someone into something. Oh, isn't that a great meaning? The Greek word for appointment in that instance there is to make someone into something. In other words, Jesus turns zeros into heroes. I've used that term before. You hook up with Jesus and he'll take something that is very ordinary. When you look into the mirror, most of us are fairly ordinary, amen? None of us are kings and queens, massive business builders or anything like that. It'd be great if we were, but we're quite all ordinary, aren't we? Andrew, we should identify with Andrew because there's no attribute written in the Bible about him. No great skill, no oratory or great high learning. What did he do? He just introduced people to Jesus. That's all he did. He was a facilitator. But that Greek word there, appointed to make someone into something, turning a zero, that's me, into a hero. Samuel said to Saul before he was anointed Israel's first king, and this is interesting why God can use anybody. Turn to the person next to you and say, God can use anybody. Oh, God can use anyone. Oh, you say, oh, yes, the greatest miracle is he, he can use me. Just say that to someone. He can use me. He can use me. Someone very ordinary. Someone five foot two, eyes are blue, blonde hair, blue eyes. You can tell I'm a Dutchman, can't you? And it says in First Samuel chapter 10 and verse 6, and so this is the appointment of the first king of Israel. And he says, and the spirit of the Lord will come upon you. This is the prophet speaking over the first to become king of Israel. His name was Saul. And he says, the spirit of the Lord God will come upon you and you will prophesy. And then you will be turned into another man. That's the clue. When God appoints, God anoints, and God can use whatever substance of clay he sees in his hand and he will turn that person as they yield to the Spirit of God. He will turn us into another man. He will turn you into another woman. Amen? 
That's why God does not care about your ability, but your availability. Oh, that's what he can use anything. And when he breathes onto our life, he can fill and imparts gifts of heaven into your life, which you use, we use. We don't use the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost uses us, amen? Make yourself available to God, and the Spirit of God will flow through you to be able to touch others. It's the Spirit of God in you that touches people's lives. The three that made up Jesus' inner circle were Peter, James, and John. Amen? And so Andrew, he always seems to be on the fringe, slightly left out, but he has no attitude problem. And I pray too that uh, it's easy to develop an attitude problem. I've had plenty of them over the years. And the only thing is when you begin to have a pity party, you send out invitations, but no one will come. The only the devil will come to your pity party. He'll join you and you'll be more depressed than ever. Don't send out invitations to your pity party. Just wear it. And uh, what do they used to say? Suck it up, princess. Amen? Suck it up. If that's the way it is, maybe you're not the guy there who's at the front or doing this or doing this, got the name, got this and that and that. that. Oh, you see, what God positions us where he needs us. And one job in the hands of God is no more important than another. The only thing that is important is our level of obedience. If God calls us to the most menial of tasks, do it with everything that, with, that is within you. AMDG, all my duties to God. Amen? All my duties to God. And so in Mark 3.16, Simon to whom he gave the name Peter, James the son of Zebedee, and John the brother of James, to whom he gave the name sons of Bonagerius, sons of thunder. Then it mentions Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simeon, the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who was always mentioned last. Peter is mentioned first, and you can bet your bottom dollar, Judas is always mentioned last. So there was, so Andrew, I believe, though, he's a natural leader. He's a self-starter. And so I see him placed there a couple of times at the head of the next group. He worked within, with the three and with Jesus, but he was, seems to be always at the head of the majority of the groups there. So Andrew, the natural leader, Mark 13, 30. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, and John, and there you have it, Andrew, the heir and the spare, there he is again, asked him privately, tell us when all these things will be. And they were discussing end times. So they were thinkers, they weren't just, there was not just mindless obedience involved here. They applied, uh, being stupid, there's no advantage in being stupid. There's no advantage in being uneducated. And God wants us to use our brains, but they are subject. Our intellect is subject to the spirit, amen? When your intellect makes the spirit subject to it, that's when you've got it around the wrong way, amen? And, uh, and so, discussing the end times. After praying on a mountain all night, Jesus called to himself his disciples and then he chose the 12. After prayer, all, Jesus always did uh, great things. Luke 6, 14, Simon, whom he also called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. There it is, the heir and the spare. James and John, there it is, the heir and the spare. And Philip, the same town of Bethsaida as Simon and Andrew and Bartholomew. And so we see that Andrew leaves when he was a disciple of John the Baptist. He followed uh, uh, Jesus immediately. He said, Behold the Lamb of God. 
And uh, one of the two who heard John speak followed him, and that was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Amen? And so he first found his own brother. He was the one who brought Peter to Jesus. And um, from then on, and even before, he still was known as the brother of Peter. And so Jesus did not have a pecking order. He had a picking order. He had a picking order. There was a definite ranking system that Jesus had. And there is order in the kingdom of heaven. Amen? There is order in the church. There's nothing wrong with having people. And, and it's, we're all, the cross is the great leveler. But we're all called to different things. We're all called to different uh, tasks and things like that. One is not above another at all. The cross is the great leveler. We all must come to repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. And so, but there is a definite picking order where Jesus assigns people to certain tasks. God is not a God of disorder, but order. Amen. And I pray that this house is a house of order. We're all welcome. We all have our place. And it's good for, that we all know our place. I th uh, someone told me that early when I was a disciple of Jesus early in my years. And uh, I had already been the president of Rotary and Rotaract and many different things in my early years. Very, very young. But I came into the kingdom of God. And there was a time and a season where I was just, just like, I was just one of the boys, you know. And there's nothing wrong with that because I needed to be discipled by good, strong men and women of God. And I needed to take on a humble attitude before, before anything else. And so one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a lad here who has a five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they amongst so many? And so in this paragraph here, that is the last, uh, that is the last verse before the one in Acts where the name of Andrew is Messi is uh, is mentioned. So, as Jules just uh, comes to the keys, I can see the attribute of Andrew here. It wasn't his intellect which we love about Andrew. It wasn't his oratory skills or anything like that because they're not demonstrated in one verse. It's not spoken of. It wasn't his theological knowledge. It's not even mentioned again that he was a disciple of John. The others were just fishermen and this and that. But Andrew and John were already disciple blokes when Jesus came on the scene. And the fact is, Andrew brought people to Jesus. It's as simple as that. Andrew told Jesus about people over a couple of times. He says, uh, somebody's sick. Or there is a boy with some lunch here. Can we do something with that? He tells people about Jesus. He had no really identity of his own. From a young lad, he was always known as the younger brother, the spare. Andrew was a connector. Andrew was a, a facilitator. I don't know if Arnold Schwarzenegger would be proud of that title. My name is the facilitator. Hey? It's not a title we all like, is it? There is a ministry of helps in the Bible. And it's a very, very necessary ministry. Andrew is available. Is there anybody here available in the house of God? It means that you are a great candidate to be a great uh, a witness for Jesus. Are you useful? 
They always said uh, uh, the vice president in any organisation, what was his task? What was his job title? And it was always to make himself generally useful. That was about it. He was there to make the president look good. But really, that's what you and I are to do. We are to make ourselves available, to be useful, to make Jesus look good. And he is good. Amen. That's not hard to do. But that's what we do. That's what we do. Andrew is a practical guy. And you think, oh, well, I'm not a person of immense intellect. And I can identify with that. I don't say I have any immense intellect. But I like to be practical when I can. Being practical is all about what church, how church operates. We need practical people. He supported ministry. He supported Philip. And they went together to Jesus. So he's a supporter. He was an encourager. He was a facilitator. He connected Jesus to people. And he connected people to Jesus. Don't you like Andrew? He's more like the regular sort of person that you and I are sitting next to than anybody else. Amen? We're not all Peters and Pauls. No, we're not. We're not. But we, I can identify very easily with Andrew. And he, when he points people to Jesus, and the reason is simple. I think uh, even in my monthly newsletter there, I think we have to admit that we of ourselves don't have all the answers right now. In fact, we have very few answers to anything that is going on in relationships and families and in our political scene, what's going on in the world. I could say that basically we don't have answers. But we can point to Jesus, the one who has. He has the answers. And that's why Andrew had no hang-ups. He says, I don't know. I haven't got a clue what your problem is. I don't think I can help you one little bit. But I can tell you about somebody who can help you. You see how easy that is? Doesn't that take the sweat out of this horrible word called evangelism? It's the only word that the church and unbelievers alike hate. Church hates the word evangelism, amen? I don't know why that is, but it's true. In John chapter 12, you see, there were certain Greeks among those who came to worship at the feast. Now we must understand that this time there was no Greeks, there was no heathen of the nations in the church. And, and Andrew must have thought to himself, what, you want to bring Greeks into the synagogue? You want to bring Greeks to meet Jesus? He never said anything like that. He says, I haven't got a clue if that's a good idea or not, but let's go and talk to Jesus. What a great thing. With so many of us, we think we have to have all the answers, but we don't. let's just confess up and say, listen, I have not got a clue. What's the best to do in your situation? I've never been in those shoes. Mine are only a size five and you're a size 10 anyway. But you just point people to Jesus. Philip came and told Andrew and in turn, Andrew and Philip told Jesus. You wouldn't think here that there's, Andrew is only mentioned in 12 entire verses in the whole of the Bible. But what a massive ministry. Jesus' ministry was successful because of blokes like Andrew. When they had entered, they went up into the upper room. This is in the book of Acts. And those who were present, he lists all the disciples and Andrew is there amongst his brothers. So he's a guy who fellowships. Over the years, I've spoken at times about discipleship and evangelism, but it's a frightening subject and most people shy away from it. They say, oh, I could never be an evangelist. Oh, I could never do that. Oh, no, give that to somebody else. You've got a few of those in your church. But the thing is, we're all called to be disciples. And part of the discipleship thing 
is an ability just to invite people to, and to show people and to point people to Jesus. That's what discipleship is all about. That's what evangelism is all about. We make it too hard for ourselves. And so when we read chapter Mark, and I'll conclude on this chapter now, and if you would go to Mark chapter 5, and I'm finishing, I'm finishing within the next two hours. Mark chapter 5 and verses 18. If I can find it myself. Sometimes I, I, I get a little mixed up. And he, when he got into the boat, he had been, who had been demon-possessed, begged him that he might be. So we're talking about a demon-possessed man. And he was set free when Jesus prayed for him. This demon-possessed man had plagued him all his life. And he's been set free. And what did he want to do? He begged Jesus to take him with him to be part of his crew. What did Jesus say? He didn't permit him, but he said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. And we read this so easily. And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis. Decapolis is the east side of the Lake of Galilee. And there were 10 Roman cities there. 10 Roman cities in the region of Decapolis. You can see the ruins there this day. I've not seen them personally, but they are there. And all that Jesus had done for him, and he, mar he, and he marveled all. In other words, he went. He didn't join Jesus' disciples, but he went out and was a disciple of Christ outside the direct sphere of influence where Jesus was. Oh, and said, what is his? Go and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you. And so evangelizing, he didn't say go and evangelize. He didn't say, listen, you need to get yourself in an evangelism course. There's, run one, at one, there's one running on every Tuesday night for the next 10 weeks. After that, you can go and do this and this and that. There's no such thing. He said, go and tell what great things the Lord has done for you. Andrew's ministry was identical to that demoniac's ministry. When he was delivered, he went home to his family and to his friends and told everybody what Jesus had done. The ministry of, Jesus, uh, the ministry of Andrew was that he just told people about Jesus and what he had done in people's lives. Today you may see yourself as not having the X Factor but I believe that is probably your greatest attribute. The fact that you look yourself in the mirror and you say, I cannot possibly do this or do this or do that. I believe the Andrew factor is all that you need. It's refreshing. It takes the weight off yourself. Don't take yourself so seriously. Just point people to Jesus. You've got no answers, but he does. Andrew took on board on the, song, the last words that John the Baptist spoke when he says, I must decrease so that he may increase. Andrew knew that instantaneously. When he met Jesus, he knew immediately that within himself he had nothing to give the world, but only what Jesus deposited into his life, he could tell the gospel story. He immediately followed Jesus. He was a self-starter. And though having never attended any evangelistic study, he immediately got to it. And that is the good news. Really, it's just get it out there, amen? Just get it out there. I like hanging around with Ivan over here. 
is fantastic. I like picking on him too when I'm preaching. But it's fantastic. He's a connector of people. He just loves people. And it's so easy for him. When we had our men's breakfast, he says, oh, Jeff, he says, I've only got about six coming. <laughs> fantastic, eh? He says, oh, yeah, I've got a couple of mates. I told them it was a good feed and a good message. You should be there. And they came. It was wonderful. And it was good fruit too, wasn't there? It was wonderful. Ivan's a people person. But you just have the needs of others foremost in your mind. Introduce people to Jesus. That bloke, the demoniac, he witnessed to his own family and physically then began to point people to Jesus. Let's stand to our feet today. I pray that message. I know it's a simple message. Simple message, but the gospel is a simple message. It's not a complicated message. And so I just think, I believe God wants to grow this place. And God is growing you. I can see it. God is growing us. We're becoming people of the word. It's great to be a person of the word. We're becoming people of prayer. We're learning to worship. I can sense it this morning. We're learning to worship. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord, for those listening online and for these people here this morning. I pray, Lord, we not take ourselves so seriously. But, Father, we just, we just begin to naturally just point people to Jesus. When people got all these hard questions, you can just say, I haven't got a clue, mate, but Jesus knows. Jesus knows you better than I know you. Jesus knows you better than you know yourself. And I pray, Lord, that attribute, that Andrew factor, such a, a refreshing thing to be, a refreshing thing was over his life. He didn't have to be all and all and everybody's answer. He was content to be despair so to speak but he just loved Jesus he loved connecting people with Jesus in which is all evangelism is all about as Jesus told that demoniac no you can't follow me directly but go home to your family and friends and go tell and tell of all the good things that have happened to you I pray Lord that spirit just to connect people because you love them and you want them to know Jesus too. I pray, Lord, impart it today, right now. And such a refreshing thing come. We've got Mother's Day next week. Just invite some family, some friends, and come along and just introduce them to Jesus or introduce them to a place where they can meet Jesus, which is here in the house of God. It's going to be a beautiful day next, Monday, next uh, Sunday on Mother's Day. And it's an opportunity to gather and get together friends I pray that you take advantage of it and introduce somebody to Jesus today in Jesus name in Jesus name in Jesus name